few years ago, a, I have a friend, and, um, and when, we, when we became friends, he was a self-proclaimed uh, agnostic. And um, we both used to get to work at 6 a.m. for some reason. Uh, some of us are ridiculous, but we used to get to work at 6 a.m. And, and slowly but surely our conversations started talking about religious matters because even though I never mentioned it, he knew that I, w I was a Christian and a believer. And he started asking questions. And um, the questions became more and more complicated. And uh, he had never, he had been brought up in a, Pretty bad environment. Um, <clears throat> he he uh, didn't didn't have much contact with his family. He had never read the Bible ever. Didn't even know one word from that Bible. And uh, so Cheryl and I went out and we actually bought him a Bible. And. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I shouldn't be emotional because this is just an introduction. Uh, <laughs> and he used to read, he read that Bible every single night and every single morning, 6 a.m., we would discuss what he had read the previous night. And for a solid year, we just, we did this. And the bottom line is this, and this is not the point of the story, but the bottom line is this, is that he read himself into being a believer. Amen. Simply by taking the word and reading it, he he's a believer. And today is very, very, very active uh, a believer. But that is the first time he had ever written, uh, read the Bible. The thing I enjoyed about it the most was the profound thoughts that he used to bring. Because many of these verses I had read many, many, many times before, and I'd never thought of those things. And he has this incredible mind, and it just, it was amazing. I said, you're right. I've never thought of that. This is amazing. And I think this is exactly what we're going to be talking about Today, as we study Yad Compass, we in studying the book of, uh, well, the chapter 23rd Psalm, Psalms 23. And when you put new eyes on, the, on that psalm, there's a totally different context from what I have always thought about, and it's not necessarily incorrect what, I've, what I believe. I mean, I've known that psalm, and I had to learn it for... I could recite it. I probably cannot recite it today, but I can recite words and verses. And we read these things so many times that, and have heard them so many times, we really have forgotten what, what this is saying to us. And this is one of the blessings of being a teacher here at Compass, is simply taking, taking the scriptures, putting a new set of eyes on them, and realizing a lot of the stuff that I have, I have thought for so many years is not necessarily incorrect, but I've, I haven't found the, the, the profound truth that is in, within those words. And our verse for today, we have only one verse, and that's verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me to, down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Now, historically, for me, I have always thought of that almost like a bridge between, you know, the introduction to the psalm and the second part of it. And we always just read, read, uh, read through those. And in fact, that first phrase, uh, he returns me, returns me to righteousness for his glory. It's, it's, we, we have often thought of the word restore. And, the, and most translations talk about the word restore. Now, I, I love that verse because, I, it was, um, because the imagery is just absolutely great because the way I thought growing up, and especially when you have a hard week, and you come home on a Friday evening, this, for some reason this verse always thought, I always thought of Friday evenings. For those of you that have, have been brought up Sabbath keepers, Friday evenings is always an important time of the week. And for me, it's still a very important time of the week because I think of my soul being restored during that time period. And um, in, for me personally, and a lot of our married life, and even when I was growing up, it was always a family time. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is just put on heritage singers <laughs> and anything... <laughs> Anything newer than 1980 is too old. We had to go back to the 70s, right? There is a lighthouse, and <laughs> you people know what I'm saying. Putting on the heritage singers, lying down on a carpet or on a couch and, or on a recliner, and just, just enjoying the moment. And this verse is always, this is the way I've always thought about that verse. But if you go back to the original Hebrew, that word restore has a very strong connotation of he returns my soul. And there is actually a different meaning from the way that I have thought about that. My meaning, my interpretation of it, not necessarily wrong, is probably right. But the stronger meaning is he returns my soul. Where I was uh, brought up, just north of the town, I was brought up in East London in, in South Africa, for those of you who haven't caught the accent. Um, just north of, of East London is an area of the country called the Transkei. And the Transkei is, is inhabited by the Khalsa people. They have lived there for probably 300 years, maybe 400 years, a long time. Um, the Khalsa people actually, they speak one language, but there's actually multiple uh, nations or tribes within that. And there's, there's three major ones, but there's a lot more. There's probably about 30 different tribes, each with their own king. And there's actually a paramount king over that, but he doesn't have much power, but each king does have a fair amount of, of power. And then under each kingdom, there are these, these clans. And it's, and it's not too different to Scotland, where you have these clans, and over each clan you have a chief. And historically... The Transkei was, um, the land was owned by, by the king. And you, you were given the privilege, by the, you were privileged by the king to be able to farm it or to, to do whatever, to build your homes and things like that. But it, you never owned the land, it was always owned by the king. And um, in fact, this is, this is where Nelson Mandela comes from. He was, he was actually a member of the, of the uh, the Pondo tribe. 
And, um, and, his, and his grandfather was actually the king of the Pondos. And he was not in line because uh, they, he was, his grandmother was not a royal uh, person, so you couldn't inherit any titles. Uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. With the new constitution of South Africa, they made a lot of accommodations for this area. So today, the, the kings have really been, the authority of the kings has been removed, but they still have a lot of, of say over the land. And the, and the land is now actually owned by the clans. So each clan has their own land, and they own that land. And so when, if you need to build a house, you have to go to the chief and say, I need to build a house, I'm getting married. Uh, I, and he, would assign, he will assign you a piece of land where you can, can build, your, build your house. And that's still to this very day. He also has some other uh, uh, authority that he can go and um, he can discipline people to a certain extent. And he, he does, they still have a lot of, lot of rights as, as, a, as a chief. A friend of mine, in fact, this picture over there, um, he wanted to build a, a place on, on a piece of land. And um, of course, the first he went to, went to the local chief, and the local chief said, well, we cannot do that because you don't belong to our, our clan. And David, the, our friend, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I can hire some people. If you allow me to build this place, I, I need someone to take care of it, um, and I need someone to, to be a servant in the kitchen when we, are, when we are there, and I need someone just to be a caretaker. And he said, I can provide some local jobs because unemployment there is about 40%. Um, and so the, 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 the chief actually granted him some land. He said, okay, you can build, build your place, and this is the place that he built over there. But the point is of, of the story is, if you, if you go to the Transkai, there are very, very, very few fences. There are fences, but it's usually to protect buildings like hospitals or schools or something like that. But most of the country, most of the country is open land. And you can drive for 200 miles from north to south and, and uh, not go through a fence. There's no fences. It's just totally open. In amongst the clauses, the, your wealth is, is retained in animals. So sheep, goats, and cattle is, is the way you retain it. It's almost a monetary system, and a lot of bartering takes place using animals. And so everybody tries to own, own animals. And you gain wealth, and in fact, even, even when you get married, as a male, you have to go to the, the, the bride. In fact, <coughs> Ashton Fisher, you would have to go and offer him saying, you have to do some dealing and say, I'll give you, give you 25 cattle for, for the bride. <laughs> so yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you five cows and you know, two oxen or whatever the dealing goes. And, it, and, there's a, and usually the family gets involved in this negotiation of, of how much you're gonna pay for it. And if the woman is nice and thick and has good childbearing le legs, I mean, <laughs> hips and things like, 
she'll gain a, a greater prize because having children is important. So being, you know, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. This is, this is the way they are. And Nelson Mandela for his... Uh, I, I wasn't going to go there. Nelson, Nelson Bandela actually paid 140 cattle for his first wife, just as a matter of interest. I'm coming to a point in the story. <laughs> the important point of the story is that herders or herdsmen are very important, or shepherds. They, they usually call them herdsmen over there, or herders. Because animals are wild, there's no, there's no fences to re retain the animals. And so they, they go everywhere. So usually, little quedins, little black boys, when they are old enough, and that when I say old enough, we're talking about seven or eight years old, they, are, they take on the responsibility of taking care of the family money the cows and cattle and goats, and so he has to be out all day making sure that they are retained. And so because of this open space, very interesting things happen in the Transkai, and if you go into the beach, this is not an unusual scene. You will find cattle on the beach. And th this is, what, five years ago, four years ago, here on the beach with some with some cows, and I think we have Ashley on the beach with some cows as well. There we go. <laughs> it is... <laughs> Sorry, Ashley, but I had, a, I had to prove that you were there in, and just taking care of the cows on the beach, hanging it. The problem is, and yeah, this is, we were, they just follow us across, across the river. The point of the story is, we are like sheep in so many ways in our spiritual lives. We'll often, and often not even by intentionally, we'll put our, our heads down, graze all day long, and before we know it, we are lost in a place that no one knows, simply because we are doing things that we shouldn't and have simply drifted away. And that often happens in our our Christian lives as well. We don't intentionally, often don't intentionally make decisions to be led away from God. And in fact, I think we spend a lot more effort trying to stay with God than to go away from Him. It just simply happens that sometimes we lose our way. And sometimes we lose our way really badly. And this is what the psalm is trying to say to us. You can lose your way really badly. And he will return us to him. In 2 Samuel chapters 10 and 11, or 11 and 12, I forget right now. There's a story of, of King David and Nathan the prophet. And probably, probably many of you remember the story of Bathsheba. David's hanging out on the roof of his, uh, of his uh, house one day. And he looks out and there's this absolutely gorgeous, stunning woman bathing. And so he uh, sends out one of his servants to go and get her. 
And she comes up and brings him up to the roof. And um, to get to the bottom line, she falls pregnant. And David finds, finds out about that she, she's now pregnant. And he also finds out that she's married. And so absolute authority brings absolute corruption. He had the power to do this. He went out. He sent one of his servants to go get his, her, her husband, Bathsheba's husband, and, the, and his name was, uh, remind me, Uriah the Hittite. Sorry. And he came back to David, and, and the pretense was David asked him, well, how's the war going at the time they were fighting the Amalekites? Amalekites? And I uh, wanted to know how, the, how things were going on the front. And he told him, just fine. And he said, well, why don't you just go home and spend the night with your, woman, with your wife and you can go back. The pretense was just to make out as if she, he had slept with his wife. Well, he was not very compliant. And his thinking was, I cannot go back to my wife when the people, the soldiers that I am fighting with are in horrible conditions right now. So he actually slept, slept at, the, at the gate of the, of the uh, David's place. And David found out about this and he said, hey, <laughs> okay, we have a problem here. This, is, this, is, this guy's a little too loyal. Uh, not the person that we are looking for. And so David called him again and invited him to a feast and got him totally slammed, absolutely drunk. And said, okay, you can go and spend the night with your, your wife again. And once again, he refused. So <clears throat> he returned to the, to the fight. And David gave him a message to give to Joel, who was commanding his troops there. And he said, make sure that this man is put on the forefront of the battle. And when the battle is at, at its worst, Pull the troops back, don't let him know, and let him die. So he was killed. The word gets back to Bathsheba. And of course, the traumatic moment. Think of that for a moment. I mean, we often hear these stories, just think of that moment. She's living in Israel, women are property, they have absolutely no rights. She's pregnant by another man. And her husband is killed. Traditionally, the next brother would take her as his wife, but she's pregnant. And why would he want to take her? David's hanging out on, the, on his roof one day again, and Nathan the prophet comes to visit him. And Nathan tells him a story. He said, uh, I want to tell you what's happening in, in your kingdom. There were two men. One man was, was a very poor man. He didn't have much, but he, he could afford one baby ewe, one little sheep, one little lamb. 
And he loved that lamb, and he took care of it, and he, and he, he actually held it, and his, and his children played with that lamb. That lamb was very important to him. And then there was a rich man who had many sheep. And one day the rich man had um, a visitor, and as tradition of the day, if you have visitors, you have to have slaughter some, you prepare a meal for them. And meals cannot, they have to be really nice meals. And so instead of taking one of his own, he took that one ewe, that one lamb from this man that only had one, took it, killed it, and fed that to his guests. And this angered David. He was furious. He said, who is this man that would do this? And Nathan, what a brave man. He said, you are that man. You, David, are that man. You are the one that have done this. And he said, because you have done this, there's going to be strife and tumult in your, in your family. It's always going to be there in your family. And not only that, this little boy that Bathsheba is carrying, or already had by that, that time, is going to die. And David, as typical David was, he absolutely threw himself into asking God for forgiveness. He went out and covered himself in ash and he clothed himself in, in sackcloth and slept in slack, uh, sackcloth and begged God to save this child's life. And God was true to his promise, and the child died. And David's response was quite interesting. The moment he heard, he, he, the servants didn't want to tell him that the child had died. And he, he recognized that they were talking amongst themselves, and he said to them, what has happened? Is my boy dead? And they said, yes. And immediately he got up. He bathed. He had a meal. And he went to the house of worship and praise God. He praised God. Because the same David had written that 23rd Psalm. He returns my soul. David then went and comforted Bathsheba, and they had another son. And that son was Solomon, who was going to be the next king. And then there's a verse in 2 Samuel 12, verses 24 and 25. And this sort of says, then David, David comforted his wife Bathsheba. And he went with her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him and because the Lord loved him, he sent his word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. What does Jedidiah mean? It means beloved by Jehovah. 
Beloved by Jehovah. This is the gospel. We have all done things that are horrible and that we regret and wish we could never do, that we have never done. And we carry those memories with us and are embarrassed by a lot of things that we have done. But if we allow God to return our souls, if we allow him to return our souls, he will make a blessing for us. And we will be beloved by him. The consequences of our behaviors we can always have to deal with. But God is always there to take the worst situation and turn it around and make a blessing out of it. He returns my soul. He leads me down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is the part that's probably the most important part. For his name's sake. God is not satisfied with your condition. The human condition is not a good condition. It's easy for us to do things that we shouldn't do. But God wants us to return to him so that he can be glorified. You have that opportunity. Sometimes we're embarrassed by what we have done. But if we simply turn around, look at God, allow him to return our souls, he will bless us. Father, We thank you that you call us Jedediah, beloved by Jehovah. Even after making a mess of our lives, you still love us. And you still want us to be a blessing so that we can glorify your name. We thank you for Jesus who died on that cross so that we can do that. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. I pray these things in your loving name. Amen.